welcome to the Untitled Art podcast presented by Artsy. Our conversation this afternoon is Beyond NFTs, hosted by Kadaf, which is the International Contemporary and Digital Art Fair, and Under New Management, uh, which is under exhibiting at Untitled in booth C26, if you haven't already visited that booth. Um, and our panelists today, we have Raina Meller, uh, who is a curator and specialist in digital art and NFTs. Um, Ori Carino is an artist. And Elena Savalev, who is the CEO and founder of Kadaf. Um, and just a brief introduction of the conversation, uh, NFTs have become mainstream, and the art world is catching up while still assessing the use cases for blockchain, blockchain technology and fine art. Traditional artists, galleries, and institutions have been slow to legitimize it while the digital art community has become an early adopter. Today, NFTs enable us to establish provenance, exhibition history, and the authenticity of ownership in digital art and other assets. NFTs have also become a medium of its own where creators are using the technology both conceptually and aesthetically. This. Uh, this panel assesses the role of digital art and NFTs at the art fairs in Miami this year, as well as discusses the different styles of NFTs, the benefits of the technology, and how it might be used in the future since it opens up a world of new creative opportunities. So thank you all for joining us again. And without further ado, I will hand it over for everyone to introduce themselves a little bit further and start the discussion. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, such a pleasure being here today. We're finally back at the fairs uh, in Miami. So exciting. Reina, thank you so much for inviting to join you. So my name is Elena, and I'm the founder and CEO of Kadaf, uh, which is a crypto and digital art fair. So we show all sorts of digital art mediums online and offline. Um, and thrilled to be here today with a wonderful curator, Raina Meller, and uh, the artist Ori Carino. But uh, I will leave it to, you, to, <laughs> to both of you to introduce yourselves probably quickly, and then we can jump into the questions. Uh, thank you so much, Untitled, for giving us this opportunity to discuss uh, NFTs and digital art, which we're all super passionate about and have different kind of unique perspectives. Um, and thanks to Elena and Ori, really excited to, to kind of dive into this with you. I'm Raina Mailer. I'm a uh, director at Superbloom, was at Pace Gallery uh, for 10 years prior to that. And I worked mainly with our interdisciplinary uh, time-based media artists. And so I've been very interested in blockchain technology for several years, um, working so closely with video artists or artists that use code as a medium, you know, finding ways to safeguard their artworks, to protect copyright, authenticity, to prevent reproducibility, um, you know, because all of that can affect, you know, the market value because these things are inherently easy to reproduce. Um, and so NFTs, you know, have allowed, um, it's really exciting because they've allowed this capability to authenticate uh, these types of works of art. Um, so I've been very interested in this space and curated shows and worked closely with artists like Ori. Um, and he uh, has work in Under New Management's booth in C26. And we, um, it's your first drop, it's your first group of NFTs, which we're really excited to tell you about. 
Um, and we have five that are being auctioned, but we have 48 on view, um, and we're showing them on Hardware by Infinite Objects, which we're really heart happy to partner with to be able to show so much more than five of them. Yeah. I think that's it. I, I normally like when you introduce me. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, I'm going to pass this to Ori, who's an incredible artist, been working for decades in the Lower East Side in New York, and is really, I think, one of the first artists that's bridging the gap between fine art and the NFT space, um, and really is coming out of the genealogy of contemporary artists and movements like Dada, um, Surrealism, Assemblages, Rauschenberg, Jasper Johns, and other conceptual object-based artists. Hi, everyone. Really happy to be here. Thank you to Untitled, and thanks to Elena and Reina for being on the panel with me. My name is Ori Carino. Um, I'm an artist from the Lower East Side of Manhattan. I happen to be born in a functioning gallery on Housen Street that we lived in until I was seven. So it was like ingrained in me this like deep yearning to engage the pantheon of art history and kind of make socially engaged work that kind of like pushes the envelope and attempts to some degree to be avant-garde because that's kind of like the environment that I was raised in. And uh, I've had this immense opportunity to try to carry that kind of studio practice and lifestyle and engage this kind of digital art situation that's happening. And I've discovered that there is this immense opportunity within that space uh, for studio artists to really kind of uh, try to find new modes um, for um, for their conceptual work and kind of it's this double world, double opportunity, exponential kind of uh, space where your ideas have no limitation and, the, and no spatial limitation and no greedy landlords. And you know, artists don't like greedy landlords. So that was already a big plus, um, but I'm excited to be here and talk about uh, this, the issues at hand, so. <laughs> That's cool. Um Ori, so I, I think uh, you know what you mentioned actually brings us to one of the questions in my list is <laughs> what you love or what you maybe don't love about NFTs as NFTs are a big word uh, this year in Miami and everywhere. So maybe as a curator and as an artist, you want to start uh, sharing what do you feel about it? Well, you know, for us in the art space who are kind of really concerned with critical art theory and kind of understanding the, um, the timeline and where we are now in terms of art and art history and how we can kind of like push forward and try to find new ways and new ideas. Um, one important thing to remember is that just because it's called an NFT, doesn't mean it rises to the level of being art. And so right now there's this big involvement by a large kind of populist community that's making images to collect that are not necessarily art. So, but that shouldn't dissuade us as practicing artists or gallerists or collectors to really look deeply into this opportunity and space and see how like we can engage it because when we do, we will push the technology forward and we'll broaden this category to something that's gonna be extremely meaningful to us, which kind of like 
brings me to what I think is so great about NFTs, which is it is a whole new universe um, in which to put your ideas. And, and, and because of the technology and because of kind of the meta space, it really is a new space. And like as a studio artist, the more time you take considering the implications and like deepen into it as an artist and like confront the ideas in your art practice, then there's something really special that I believe is going to happen. And in a sense, the collection of pieces that I made, which are these digital sculptural assemblages that come from 3D scans we take around New York and 3D scans we take in the studio and 3D scans that come from institutions and putting them together to make these kind of new archetypal iconography systems. In a sense, that is meant to be a doorway kind of like for all of us to really look at this space as an opportunity to create actual art that rises to the standard of art that we all in our community kind of understand in a more deep context than in a populist kind of context. So. Yeah, that's perfect. Just to, just to add to that, is my mic okay? Um, yeah, like I think it's important to differentiate like this idea of the collectible versus fine art because you know, NFTs are the medium and tools of the 21st century. And if you think about throughout history, like 19th century, when photography was discovered, um, when that became kind of commonplace and everyone had it, you know, people were like, that's not art. Um, going back to even like Monet, like when he started using the new oil paint, was it cadmine? Yeah, cadmine. Yeah. And he's like, I'm only using this going forward. So, you know, artists throughout art history have utilize technology in new and innovative ways. And I think we're just on the brink of what the possibilities are with NFTs. And it's not just simply taking a JPEG and like minting that. Like there's so many exciting things that you can do to make it interactive. And anyway, so I can't wait to see what artists are gonna come up with in that space. And you know, you're not confined by the normal li limitations of the world um, or this uh, reality as we know it. So scale and weight, gravity, like none of that matters in this space. Um, and then I think on a practical level, although Ori and Michal, who, who was like the 3D kind of artist that you worked really closely with and collaborated on this, um, if you think about like the overhead of physical objects, like after you make it, like, where do you store it? And like, how are you packing it? And anyway, so you don't have to like think about some of those um, possible headaches, I think, with physical objects um, versus, you know, uh, working in the digital space. That's true. Um, and I think uh, both, both of you just covered why we actually called the panel Beyond NFTs, because we really wanted to go a little bit further than just the hype or the word NFTs and to speak about art. Um, even, uh, you know, we are now looking uh, at different objects that people call NFTs and we're thinking, so what are those? Some of them, you know, you can define very strictly as digital art, maybe those that have some, I don't know, uh, a lot of artistic value and uh, curatorial vision behind them, but some are maybe, you can call artsy collectibles, something like that, and those are definitely also part of, um, you know, part of the background and part of what we are trying to show. 
Um, but yes, we want to go a little bit beyond and um, to show the work, but not the word. Um, and maybe if you want to go a little bit in detail in what you are showing at Untitled, if uh, some of us haven't had a chance to explore it in detail. Yeah, sure. Um, so it's a, a group show. We have uh, all mediums. Uh, we have the painter Christian Curiel, uh, the ceramic sculptor Roxanne Jackson, who has these like amazing, yeah, heads. The one's Medusa, one's Misty. They're really awesome. Um, we have these uh, moss and wood um, with 3D printed parts uh, by Garrett Kane. And we also have these really amazing textile pieces by Theta. And uh, she has this really cool uh, shopping cart. And then we have Ori's NFTs and also this amazing um, analog hologram painting um, that I want you to talk about in a little bit. But just basically the, the theme and the, the common thread with this show is that all these artists are using iconography or metaphor or symbolism in different ways and seem to cross realities, the digital and physical world in different ways. Like, or you're taking your NFTs and we're displaying them on monitors and showing them in real life. Garrett, um, you know, takes um, design certain elements in using 3D software. So he'll take a found piece of wood, cut it in half, 3D scan it and create a part that uh, connects it and metal plates it. Um, Christian uses you know, imagery that he finds online of different people. So anyways, every, all the artists are using technology in a different and really interesting way. And so um, I wanted to highlight that. And the title was uh, Glitch X Gesture, talking about how like these things kind of cause a moment of lapse in perception and there's a glitch, but yet they're all kind of, I wanted to play on this idea of gesture as this modernist kind of trope um, that, that's been said throughout history because even though you can't see the hand as we know it in painting, you could argue that is there in the digital sense. Um, and then also Ori's work, we have a single channel, large screen, um, similar to this, a little bit bigger, a little bit higher resolution, right? No. Um, and we're showing you know, the five that uh, are being auctioned now, rotating. And then we have this grid of 48, and again, it was really important for us to display it in a grid. Um, again, going harking back to this like modernist idea of what is a grid, thinking about Agnes Martin and how you know Greenberg and all of those art critics during that time, you know, would comment on that and like what makes it a painting and what doesn't or what's acceptable and not. So we really wanted to play with that idea because those same questions are being asked of NFTs right now. And uh, we also wanted to highlight all the cables, um, kind of showing this Nam June Paik aesthetic, um, and also that kind of makes, shows the reality of, of how information is transmitted in the digital age. That's super interesting. <laughs> or you probably want to say a little bit more about the works, or maybe I have a follow-up question. Why did you decide to create NFTs? What made you you know, started the project overall. I, I was asked to make NFTs by a gallery in LA like a year and a half ago. And I'm not involved in digital art at that time. And I was not interested in it. And I'm a, you know, I make paintings and sculptures and sculptural objects. And uh, so I thought about it for one year and um, really thought hard on it during my studio practice. And eventually I had this epiphany that 
the internet is literally filled with trash. Like, if you Google a Coca-Cola can, you will find hundreds of thousands of, like, it's actual trash, and it's also, like, polluting the environment. And it's, that made me think, this is just like the Lower East Side in the 80s, where I grew up. Like, it was also filled with trash. And the artists... It still is. And it's still is. And the artists kind of, like, saw it as this opportunity to take kind of the detritus of the city and create these assemblage sculptures out of it. And so I had this moment where if there's that much trash, you can definitely make art there. But, um, <laughs> but to, like, go further, it, it kind of is like, as artists, we kind of make art, in a sense, like, as an ethical practice. Like, art is kind of a... a type of food it's a type of sustenance for people and it's kind of like a guiding light for society because it reflects society back to itself and it's kind of an ethical barometer because it addresses issues that aren't addressed in commercial kind of vent um, only commercial avenues um, and i i think that the the meta space the internet is this gigantic social body it's like a huge community. It's like a double of our real world. But there was no art being made for it. It, like, it displays art, but there's not art being created for that meta space. And I think what happened is it got really sick as a society. Like the meta space got sick because there was no art that was being made for it. This is like something, it's a working theory, but. <laughs> Basically, the idea is that the more like, artists engage this technology and really look deeply into pushing the boundaries forward in this space, I think there will be some healing that happens in the meta space, in all of these digital communities, in this internet possibility that's happening. And I think like, the horror that we saw the past four years, or you know, whatever your viewpoint is, I think that this, there will be some like real benefit. So it's almost like there's an ethical duty yeah. on the part of artists yeah. to engage new technology. Like Monet had a, had a student named Guy Rose who ended up starting the California School of Impressionism. And Guy Rose lived with Monet for 12 years um, from 1889 to like 1905 uh, or something like that. And Monet was fervently you had, if you were, had yellow, red, orange, or green, you had to be using cadmiums because it was new technology and it's the responsibility of artists to make their work the most vibrant and make the experience the most incredible for the viewer so that it kind of represents the incredible kind of condition of awareness and perception. Yeah, and I mean, it's also the role um, and responsibility of the curator or like the platforms and other like institutions that are showing the work. Like we want to be part of the movement that is legitimizing it in the fine art world and helping to bridge that gap. But like question to you, well, I have two thoughts, one thought, one question. Um, because the way that you position and arrange the trash you know, in the digital space, it's stacked. So for me, like I always think about totems or like psychotic idols or like things that we've wor like worship. And so I also like make this kind of 
contemporary um, uh, assessment that it's also like we've come to worship the wrong things, like sneakers or like um, where our overconsumption, this throwaway culture, like we're like ruining humanity. And so it also like you're talking about healing, it made me kind of go think back to that, like these are, are things that we can we can look at and appreciate, but it also challenges like our notion of reality and our responsibility um, as a human, you know, on this earth. My question to you is like thinking about being responsible to create something good and meaningful and thoughtful, I think, in that space, like which don't you think that responsibility is also for the platforms? And like, I want to talk about as a group because some platforms, anyone can mint and show their work. Others, you have to be invited, right? Other ones, you apply. Um, so how, like, how does that all all work? You know what I mean? I think the conditions now, in a way, are like a result of 99.99999% of it being based on opportunistic commercialism. And so decisions are being made for that. I think the more that artists like engage these mediums and really like deepen into it in terms of an art practice and creating something that really engages our personal understandings of art history and trying to find new kind of conditions for communicating ideas, I think that is going to change it. And it's also gonna change the technology. Like it's still really baseline, like this is still, the beginning. I think the more we deepen these conceptual parameters, widen the parameters, the technology is going to change for us and we'll be able to dictate a new type of ex exhibition experience for the art community. And I think it's going to be a radical shift. It's, there's always this talk of there's not going to be a new avant-garde, there's nothing new. I grew up with artists that considered themselves to be avant-garde. I grew up with Teiching Xie and the one-year performance artists and Kwok Meng Ho, and they were really interesting, like, out there. But even when I got older, they always said, just keep trying to make it something new. Just keep trying to make something different. And I think that the, the, when we do that in this space, something incredible is going to happen um, for the art community as a whole. There's going to be an, an exponential growth of the experience uh, capacity. Uh, it's hard to even communicate it, but there is something really special that's in there, and it's going to require us kind of diving in and working on it as a community. I think. Yeah, I, I double that in terms of technology because you probably experienced now yourself when you were trained or when you minted actually the work, the uh, you know the file itself that you can mint is very small. So I think actually the file size is gonna determine a lot how much more detailed or elaborate the work is gonna be um, minted. You know, so the future NFTs once the technology allows it a little bit, I feel like uh, it's gonna be more elaborate and more. I don't know, artistically in interesting just because the file size is going to be bigger. Also, I think that up until now, the whole idea with the decentralization and that there is no you know, one, uh, one group that actually determines what is art, what is not art, what can be shown and what not, has been prevailing uh, in the NFT world, which is great. And that's why we have what we have right now. 
but I actually believe that you know maybe in a few months or maybe actually right now is a good time to actually also look into all the um, you know objects that are being shown and try to see you know I, I don't want to say <laughs> you know good or bad but um, definitely try to see something behind the image and um, yeah and I, I believe that there are going to be more curated platforms um, coming up and I feel like the role of the curator is now uh, you know super important for for this industry and for the art world and I feel like Reina where you are right now is yeah it's, it's tremendously important and I, I do feel we need more digital art curators I don't know if there are <laughs> curators in the audience but um, I know there are a lot of people who are interested in the field um, and, and I see a lot of people who are coming up right now but I do think it's a very important emerging role right now a digital NFT art curator. Yeah, and I I think like something we've been talking about or like that's that I've been noticing is the people collecting it aren't necessarily even showing it. Like it's like all in their wallet or and um so I think there's also like, okay, there's people that are collecting it and like how, what are they doing with it? How are they displaying it? But then as a curator, you always have to think about the display and the setup and the arrangement, and the layout and what is next to what, um, whether it's online or, you know, in the physical space. And, uh, you know, we've also talked about this. It's like when you mint something on one of these platforms, you don't get to choose like what your work is next to. Um, and so that's, I don't know, I think that's kind of, that's really important, right? Because you're not, you're not making that choice. It could be something totally different, but then you feel like grouped in by it just by like the, the perception of it. So um, I think as different screens, like that technology involved, um, you know, there's like holographic displays, um, AK screens coming out. And I think as that, um, those now innovative technologies um, new things will be made and then that will become cheaper and more affordable for like artists or galleries to to buy and to show the work on so I think that's you know the the holographic element I think is really exciting because people working in 3d it adds this whole like three-dimensionality to it yeah I couldn't agree more you know 3d is extremely difficult as I figured you know during the <laughs> cut-ups it's extremely difficult to display properly online and you probably already, you know, have um, met with this problem as well because, you know, just to figure out the right light for the object to be displayed is really, really difficult. I don't know what you feel about it, but how, how do you like, um, so I, I saw the infinite objects displayed. Do you feel okay with the way uh, that your objects are displayed? Are you happy? Like, well, I am really concerned with the art of it, like the practice of doing it, and like the meaningfulness of what we're doing with making these digital sculptural assemblages. Yeah. So then it was less okay. important in a way because the, like it was, I chose to do the project based on art reasons and not monetary reasons because then that's the only reason I can convince myself to spend my time to do something. And once we achieve those objects, I felt like that was really meaningful. So then I'm, st I'm kind of open to everything right now. And it, but it's so amazing having them all on there with the infinite objects. It's really incredible. You know what I mean? 
Absolutely. But I hope more projects will come up and more ways to display art, for sure. Yeah, and like bigger screens. Bigger screens. <laughs> Square screens. Square screens, yeah, so you don't have to like, you know, format the file for hours. <laughs> yeah, that would be really cool. And then just one other thing I want to like mention is, um, you know, during COVID, uh, when everything shut down, like all the art fairs that then went online, and there were all these online viewing rooms, they were like imagining this, right? Like walking down these white long, you know, hallways. And I think it was actually Untitled that I felt like did it really well, like the way you could filter and search for things, and like it felt, it gave that that sense. It was more like gaming, like where it felt like you were moving through the space. But I think that's a challenge. Um, of like curating the digital space, like so much clicking, like like think, taking a traditional art display, like method or art booth display method, and then applying that in the digital world. So I think it's going to be interesting when we. And again, I think that's technology and like internet speed, and there's tons of other factors. So this isn't like an easy feat, but like I think it will be interesting to see how it's conceived of in the virtual world going forward, and even with like. Quest like headsets or VR headsets, like I can't wait till they're like glasses or sunglasses, because <laughs> then I think more people will get like on board with something like that too, um, and I think that will make curating in this space more interesting in the future. Absolutely. Do you want to talk about the art collectors? Uh, <laughs> so that was another point how NFT art collectors are different from traditional art collectors? Do they intersect? What do you find? Yeah, I, I can start. Um, so I think uh, definitely people involved in technology in Silicon Valley have been really interested in that, um, that space. I think people that I think it really depends on the art dealer too. Like, what are they pitching to their collectors to buy? Like, what do they believe in? Because I think people that have collected traditional art, if they work with someone that they trust and they trust their vision and they love it and they have someone that can kind of mediate, because I think that's the other role of the curator or art director is being like an intermediary to help explain like why it's important and why it's significant. Um, so I think it's what's going to be more of like traditional art collectors. Um, I think it's probably uh, younger generations that are used to like being on the screen all the time. Um, that, you know, people that grew up with the cell phone in their hand. Um, and I think we're gonna see that kind of shifting and evolving. Um, Pace Gallery just started their new platform called Verso. They're the first blue chip gallery to do that. They have NFTs up in Art Basel. So I think the more that it's being shown in these um, circumstances, the more that that collector base will expand. What do you think? I mean, you know, a lot of the NFT collectors are kind of collectible-minded collectors, so it's kind of like a different mood than art collection, in a sense. Um, but what I have noticed from meeting this, uh, a, a good amount of kind of this new category of collector base, which are brand new to the art, basically. It's like Silicon Valley people, tech people who weren't really interested in collecting from galleries previously, and they're like new to this idea of collecting. And it's like unleash this incredible kind of ambition uh, on the part of this community to really 
collect stuff. And uh, what I have noticed is that the energy is really kind of like forward thinking and community based. And like people are really wanting to team up and like open up the category. And I think that's really powerful because it's a new community of people. And, and that's the implicit opportunity for artists and curators and galleryists because if interesting ideas and compelling, you know, um, kind of compelling works are put into that, I think the conversation will begin to elevate and there will be a lot of support of a brand new collector base, like a, an entirely new population for an entirely new type of art. You know, which is really like I, the art world can be doubled or tripled or quadrupled in the meta space within the next few years because the capacity to develop your art ideas, there is a double world. Like technology is really advanced now. Like we're going around New York City 3D scanning objects and then 3D scanning objects in the studio and then getting 3D scans from institutions and then making assemblages in a computer. They don't even exist but then they can be 3D printed by new 3D printing technology in full color, one-to-one -one scale, 10-to-one scale, whatever. So there's, there is a lot of connection and there's gonna be this incredible realization on the part of the actual art community that there's, an, there's a double or triple situation to develop into, that we're not stuck by the confines of the five top galleries and the, you know, and the five top fairs, it's gonna be a more explosive moment coming up, I believe. Yeah, I, I also noticed that a lot of artists become NFT collectors themselves. So this is the part of the NFTs that I really like, how community supports one another and how artists buy each other's works. And I don't know, it just becomes one great community of collectors, which yeah, I, I wouldn't imagine that much. In, I mean, it happens in the traditional art world, but I think here it's just much more wide. Yeah, it, I mean, it's not very transparent, you know, in the art world. Um, and I think in the past, you know, um, who is buying artworks, especially at blue chip galleries? It's the top 1%. And so I think NFTs and just in, in digital art, it, it's like art for the masses, for everyone on Instagram, um, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Which NFT? But it's way more, you know, accessible to a wider range of, of audiences, you know, than it was previously. Great. Um, do you want? Maybe we should go into the questions. Do you guys have uh, any questions? Oh, you have many. Okay, then I'll stop my questions. So my first question is, is there a difference between digital art and digital art for NFT? Because my understanding is NFT is just the digital certificate of authenticity and provenance, and that's what it is. So why all these things about NFT? This is just digital art that then can be traced in a more fair way, an easier way. Isn't that right that the word NFT is just being confused for what is not? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you don't do a special digital art to convert into NFT. Okay. So that's one thing. And the other, my other question is, um, when you were talking about collectors, and the other thing is, 
my concern, I come from the very traditional art world, is one of the important things, and in particular with provenance, is also conservation. And dig I mean, technology is changing every day. So how digital art made today is still gonna hold value in 10 years. And isn't that why traditional collectors are also very aware about investing huge amount of money on a technology that you don't know what's gonna happen. So these new tech people, they don't think about conservation because they have not been collecting art paintings, traditional art paintings. So how is that, how do you see that? How do you see the future of your digital art? with the transformation I, of I, I just want to yeah. preface what Reina's going to say, that Reina, Reina is personally kind of responsible for developing Pace's ability to sell artwork on screens. And she's dealt with this problem a lot, and we've discussed it a lot. So yeah. you're really qualified to speak to this. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, where to start? I mean, yeah, I think when you go to purchase um, a digital art piece, and it's a responsibility of the artist and the person selling it, the gallery, you know, art advisor, whatever, um, to make sure the client is fully informed about what that means, you know? Um, for instance, you know, if the screen breaks in six years, you might need to update the software, or then you need a new OS, and there is certain, certain responsibility that comes with owning it, but that's similar to just if you own a car, right? You want to give it routine maintenance, you might have to replace some parts, um, and so that is just part of um, the responsibility uh, of owning an object like that. And um, you know, often we've worked with artists to develop warranties. Like, what exactly is their responsibility when it goes out into the world? Do they guarantee that the software for the next 10 years will be updated? We often um, develop a strategy with kind of a tiered um, uh, like service so that if it breaks down, you can call the studio for X amount of money. Or maybe for one year, all those services are free. Um, we also want to make sure the client knows how to properly turn it on and off. Often like that, it, you know, can be a headache. It sounds so easy, but I feel like a lot of my job has been like customer service like where I'm like, oh, sir, did you try restarting your PC? <laughs> And it's like really frustrating, you know, when it's something that easy. So I like to call it like, here's some troubleshooting tips. I work with artists so that you're getting this like manual, right? And we want to make sure it's easily digestible, um, but that you're informed and you understand also the steps to take when it does break down. And then I think um, what's been really interesting um, for me in the museum world for the past uh, 10 years, there's time-based time -based conservation now, which like I love talking to them. They're like such nerds. Um, and they know, you know so much. And so they often will say, like, well, buy in bulk. Like, buy the PC with Windows 10, buy two of them, so that if it breaks down, you have the spare backup part. Um, so, and then they also you know, buy things in bulk and save it and specialize in, in, in preserving it in different ways. You know, if, if you're allowed to, artists have different st stipulations, but okay, I'm gonna have the hard drive, I'm gonna duplicate that hard drive, I'm gonna upload it to the cloud in a different state. You know, we can give you all these different recommendations so that if it disappears, you know, you, you have a backup. But it is, you know, it's, it's definitely different, but you know, painting sculptures that also needs maintenance or dusting or cleaning by conser conservators. So I think it's becoming a new thing and really big artist studios, they're very conscientious of this. One of the um, art collectives that I work with is Team Lab. They're based in Tokyo. And their founder, Toshi Inoko, um, 
once this was published in a magazine, but he said, I want my art to be viewable for a thousand years. And it's like, what? Like, you don't think about these works lasting or having longevity of like the K. Lasco paintings or something. Um, but you know, a lot of studios have teams dedicated to keeping their software up to date or doing creative, creative problem solving for what is to come and then Lastly, sorry not to, talk, not to dwell on this too long, but also like understanding from the artist, like what is the intention of the object? Like, is there a specific screen rev resolution? Is it a size of the screen? So really understanding like what is the the artwork in your mind? What are the important key elements? What are the variables? Um, and making sure that's all properly documented. Yeah, and also the, um, you know people are working on it in terms of. Uh, NFTs as well, so I wanted to mention Jason Bailey's latest project. Um, so for example, something interesting. For whomever uh, has the right answer, I've seen that there's a lot of events around the city promoting NFTs. And it seems like all the tech bros just invaded Miami during our art week. And I wonder which one of the ones that you've seen, you would recommend somebody like an artist going and maybe checking it out. If you've seen anything interesting, you know, beyond the fairs. Well, well, after this, there's a yacht party where I curated some NFTs for a hedge fund. Uh, well, if you're interested in going, let me know. We'll see if we can get you on the list. Um, yeah, I don't. There's so many talks and panels and things going on, but I've been here, so I don't. Yeah, I participate in uh, Tezos Basel. I could recommend that. Um, I'm going to be speaking on uh, Saturday with Lady Phoenix and um, Next Museum. So that should be pretty interesting, I think. And the Voice has some has an And NFT the Voice has, yeah. yes, so that's the... Uh, it's Thursday. I'm afraid you, you have to check Voice's um, Twitter. I mean, there are a bunch of events. There are uh, quite a few going on uh, today, tomorrow, and every day. I like the Tezos Basel program. I think it's pretty interesting. Um, yeah. So a lot of things are going on, indeed. Okay, well, thank you so much again to everyone for joining us, and thank you to our very knowledgeable and uh, wonderful panelists. This has been so great to have you talk, and uh, I learned a lot, and I'm sure everyone else did. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so much.